0: Joanna. I am uh, one of the pastors here. It is so good to be together on this gorgeous, sunny, cold, wintry day. Happy long weekend to you. I know uh, many of our uh, church family are away. I see on Facebook they're at cottages and um, warm places and places we are not. So I'm glad that you are here with me this morning. And also a warm welcome to you if you're visiting with us, especially if you're here um, with your family because of the holidays. Uh, we're so glad that you're here with us. Are you, uh, my friends, this morning, are you ready to hear from God? Oh. We are about to enter into God's word and as a reminder to us or a, a, a moment of uh, repositioning our hearts and our minds, God's word is alive. And he, every time we enter, it wants to speak to us. So today we are going to be in our continuing in our series in John. We are in John chapter 10. Last week we were in John chapter 9. And uh, Pastor, Pastor Dave let us through that text. And it was about a blind man who had been blind from birth and received his sight. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, became really upset about how this all happened and how Jesus had done that. And... Um, There was great controversy around it. So, uh, this week we are entering into chapter 10 and we see that it's Jesus continuing to talk to these Pharisees, these religious leaders. And he's uh, trying to use metaphors and word pictures uh, that would be totally commonplace to the day to explain to them what he is like and what he is trying to do. Um, So, this week I had the distinct privilege of learning a lot about sheep. Shepherding, practices of first century Palestine and that sort of thing. As it turned out, I knew very little about sheep because when I said to a friend of mine that I thought it would be cool if I could find an actual sheep and bring it up here with me... (laughs) which I thought would be great. As it turns out, sheep are really gross. Uh, they're loud and they are squirmy. And I had imagined this serene picture of me with like a little lamb up here talking to you for a few minutes about sheep. But in fact, it would probably be making a horrifying bleeding sound and would be like making a mess all over the stage. So, so I would, I've spared you that because in my learnings, I realized that would be a bad idea. But I've learned a little bit about sheep this week and these are the metaphors that Jesus is using. Now, uh, for, for us, as a... 21st century audience, it's a little bit difficult for us to understand this thing about sheep and shepherding because we're so disconnected from it. You know, if Jesus uh, today was here, he might be talking to us about um, analogies about cars or computers or uh, the structure of a business, a, a great corporation or something. But in his day, there were lots of sheep around, and so that is why he's saying point over there, look, there's a sheep, there's a shepherd, this is why I'm explaining it to you. So we're going to see multiple multiple metaphors and they seem to conflict a little bit. Um, But we see all through the book of John that he's using these word pictures to explain himself to people. So we're going to see Jesus speaking about the shepherd's voice then the gate, and then the good shepherd. And uh, we see that throughout, script, throughout the book of John especially, that the author is trying to communicate to us through these different word pictures. So Jesus is the bread of life in chapter 6, and then he gives the bread. And then he speaks truth, and then he is the truth. And he is depicted throughout the book of John as showing the way, but that he also is the way. So when we have the voice, the gate, and the good shepherd, he's just trying to use different pictures uh, to explain the same. Thing. So if Carrie Underwood was here she'd talk about Jesus taking the wheel but then in her next song she might talk about the gas in the tank or she might talk about the engine of the car and all of these are trying to explain what God is like to us and they, they do seem to, to say he's many things at the same time because he's trying to paint a picture for us. So let's enter in John t- chapter 10 verse 1. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So right off the bat, first century Palestinian sheep herding. Sheep typically were used for wool and not meat. In this, there were some sheep that were raised for meat, but mainly the main business and the wealthiest part of the, of the sheep was actually in its wool. And so these were not sheep that were raised by a shepherd who was actually going to kill them later. He would raise them from a lamb up until their old age, growing them and raising them for their wool. And interesting compared to European shepherding practices, I learned this week, that in this culture, shepherds would actually lead and walk ahead of their sheep. Whereas in Europe, you would see both today and in that time, you would see a a herding kind of a thing where he would guide them and sometimes they would use dogs or something to move the sheep forward. But in this case, in this culture, Then and still today, a shepherd will walk ahead of his sheep, as we see here in the text, uh, that the shepherd goes out ahead of them in in verse 4. And finally, we also need to know that both then and today in uh, Middle Eastern Arab-Palestinian sheep herding practices, there's this unique sheep language that happens. And and shepherds who, who are the overseers of these sheep actually often have a unique name for each sheep and it's in sort of a nonsense language but you know one is fluffy and one is black ear and i don't know one is slowpoke or whatever they call them and so each sheep has a name and the sheep knows its name when they're called this is the amazing thing about the voice of the shepherd uh, there's, a, there's an account of someone who, an American, who was over in this area of the world, uh, and he was watching sheep herding practices, and I'd love to just share this story with you to give you a picture of what this would look like. Early one morning, this man writes, I saw an extraordinary sight not far from Bethlehem. Two shepherds had evidently spent the night with their flocks in a cave. The sheep were all mixed together, and the time had come for the shepherds to go in different directions and separate the sheep. So one of the shepherds stood some distance from the sheep and began to call. In the midst of the noise and chaos of all of these sheep, first one, then another, then four or five animals ran towards him, and so on and so on until he had called all of their names and he had counted his whole flock. See, here Jesus is trying to describe a sifting out that is happening. We see in these first verses 1 to 6 in John 10... That he is talking about a shepherd and his sheep. The sheep know his voice and they follow him. They will not follow a stranger. They follow their shepherd. They are familiar with him. Jesus is sifting out his followers from the crowd. From amongst the Pharisees, from amongst the religious people, and from the people like the blind man from chapter 9. He is saying here that his followers will recognize the shepherd for who he is and they will follow his voice. One wrote that Jesus rarely presented truth in order to turn unbelievers into believers. More often, you see in the book of John, the truth truth became his means of drawing the believers out of the world. So as he spoke, such as in the beginning with the feeding of the 5,000 in chapter 6, Jesus was merely talking unvarnished truth about his identity, and as he spoke, his flock began to divide. The voice of the shepherd calls his own to follow him we carry on in uh, verse 7 therefore jesus said again very truly i tell you i am the gate for the sheep All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life to the full. So now we've seen he's changed metaphors. First, he was talking about a shepherd, and he was using the example of a voice. But as we saw in verse 6, Jesus was using this figure of speech, and the Pharisees did not understand what he was talking about. So he shifted gears. Now he's trying to be more direct. He's saying, I am the gate for the sheep, and through which the sheep can go in and out. The gate. Again, another story for us, because we don't really understand this as 21st century uh, people. I have another story from a different person, a British man who was also in this area of the world traveling. So it says he was traveling one day with a guide in, uh, in this um, Palestinian-Israeli uh, area. He was traveling and came across a shepherd and his sheep. He fell into conversation with the man. The man showed him the fold into which the sheep were led at night and consisted of four walls, with a way in. So uh, this British man says to him, That's where they go at night? Yes, said the shepherd. And when they are in there, they are perfectly safe. But there's no door, said this British visitor. I am the door, said the shepherd. He was not a Christian man. He was not speaking in the language of the New Testament. He was speaking from the Arab shepherd's standpoint. This British man looked at him and said, What do you mean by you are the door? The shepherd said, When the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in that open space, and no sheep ever goes out but across my body, and no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. So for Jesus to call himself the gate, He's calling himself and declaring more clearly, trying to be more blunt with people since they didn't understand the first picture. He's saying the way, he is the way to be saved and all others who came before him were false. Thieves and robbers there to destroy, to steal, to kill and destroy. And, and to the people at the time, this would have seemed quite offensive for him to declare he was the only way to salvation. And, and for a more modern ob- audience, this might feel a little bit absolute not very nice for a postmodern mind but surely there can be more than one gate to salvation surely there can be more more than one gate but as we see with this arab shepherd who i just read the story about could you imagine the chaos of multiple doorways into this sheepfold could you imagine the danger that the sheep would be in if they had multiple access points at them? That if wolves if there's one shepherd and wolves could come at them from multiple doors, could you imagine the danger for the sheep? Sheep need instruction or they are led to chaos. They're led to danger or they're even led to death. There is one gate. And Jesus says, through this one gate you will see, receive incredible freedom and privilege and fullness of life, but only through the gate. There's no other way but through the gate. And Jesus says, I am the gate. So we continue on to one more picture that Jesus is saying uh, to his followers here. So we've had a voice and we've had a gate now what do we have? We have in, chapter, in uh, verse 11 it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he, doesn't care, he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must also bring them in. They too will listen to my voice and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now here in the text we see there's a comparison between the good shepherd and the hired hand. Now the hired hand is not being criticized per se for abandoning a sheep. In fact, at this time, it would have been, he was legally entitled, if he was under danger, to leave. As a hired man, if, if he actually felt that his own life was in danger, he was totally okay by law to leave the sheep and to leave. But he will simply not go to the lengths of the true and the good shepherd because he is not the shepherd. He is a hired hand. And then in verse 16, we see that there are other sheep he's speaking of. Um, we're speaking of Gentiles or, or non-Jews. He's seeing these other sheep that he's welcoming in. Jesus is speaking of the unity of people across historic, ethnic, and religious lines. Jesus is declaring that as the good shepherd, he is not just the good shepherd for the Jewish people, the Israelite people who have been waiting for centuries for a good shepherd. He's, in fact, the good shepherd for all people, all nations all ethnic groups, and people of all other religions can come and find life in Jesus Christ. The good shepherd. We see in the, the Old Testament, as I said, that for centuries, um, we see that that God had been deeply Harsh and angry with bad shepherds. Shepherd uh, To talk about shepherds was an analogy that was used to describe kings and leaders. Um, not just in Jewish culture, but that whole region of the world. Because shepherding was such a common practice. It was used as a metaphor all the time. So, so that we see all, all through the Old Testament that there are uh, kings and leaders and judges that failed the people. They were greedy, or they were selfish, or they had some extreme moral failures of some kind or another, often losing sight of God and his purpose for them as the leader of the people. And they hurt the people. They wounded the people. And yet we see that God has promised a good shepherd, and that God himself is declared the good shepherd. Uh, We don't have time to go through all of these texts today, but to throw a few out there if you want to write them down. Isaiah 40, Isaiah 56, Psalm 80, Psalm 23, Ezekiel 34, Micah 5, and then in the New Testament we see Luke 15 and Matthew 18 and then Revelation 2. We see these um, images and pictures of God as the good shepherd. So when Jesus stands up in a crowd of people, many of them being uh, opposing to him, and he declares himself the good shepherd. They know what he's talking about, because they know the scriptures, and they know about the bad shepherd leaders from the past, and they know that God has promised that he is the good shepherd, and will in fact bring them a good shepherd. We see in Ezekiel 34 verse 23, Ezekiel 34, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them, and he will tend them and be their shepherd. The good shepherd, Jesus says. Now, in some translations, the word good is actually translated beautiful, so you'll see in some in some versions, if you look, if you can, if you're on an iPhone, iPad, you can actually switch to other translations. You can see that in some texts it says, I am the shepherd, I am the beautiful shepherd. And so the, when we talk about the good shepherd, it is not per se, it's not necessarily that he is morally good, although he is morally good. But I think we all know a lot of morally good people who you don't really want to follow after. Kind of annoying in their, in their upright morality. But actually, the good shepherd that we're talking about here is a good and beautiful in an attractive sort of way. When he says, I am the beautiful shepherd, he means I am attractive. There's something appealing about me. There's something about me as a shepherd that is unlike shepherds you've seen before. And it's so good. You're going to want to follow after me. As we look back to a a famous psalm, Psalm 23, it's one that many of us know, I know as a kid, I had to memorize it uh, in order to earn candy in my home. That was how we did it. I wasn't in a where I, I didn't have the privilege of doing a Awana like we do here where you memorize scripture all the time. So um, in our home, it was candy that worked, or it was you couldn't watch Leave It to Beaver at lunch until you memorized scripture. So one of these was Psalm 23. Thank you to my parents for, for instilling the word of the Lord in me. Psalm 23 we see David, so remember uh, in Ezekiel 34, just as I've referenced above, that the shepherd has been promised from the line of David, David, a good shepherd would come over the people after many corrupt shepherds, many corrupt leaders who had led the people into, into great pain. And now currently as Jesus talks to them, remember they're oppressed by the Romans, they're a, they're a colony of Rome. So we've got this Roman leadership that's, that's hurting the people, but then we also have this Jewish, re, Jewish, Jewish religious leadership that is oppressing them as well with all kinds of rules that no one could possibly keep up with. So Psalm 23, a few centuries earlier, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. that we that we see that the people were waiting for, this good shepherd. But again, it's so important that we do not miss this this morning when we see. I it wasn't until um, I was taught some geography lessons about uh, about the about the sort of Middle Eastern Israeli area that occurred to me that I had always looked at Psalm twenty three. A little bit off. We see the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now we as Canadians, what do we think of when we think of green pastures? We think of rolling, lush, green meadows and maybe some idyllic, idyllic picture from you know 100 years ago and, and there's some beautiful brook and, and the sheep are grazing and maybe if you drove a little bit north of, of the city here in the summertime you would see something like that. But that is not the case here. The, the man, David, who is writing this, is writing this in the middle of a desert community in the Middle East. There are not a lot of green places. So when we see this image of the Lord being your shepherd, lacking nothing, and, he, and you lie down in green pastures, this is an image of a shepherd leading his, his sheep to the next small, rough patch of shrubbery in the middle of a desert. When it talks about, when it talks about the water, remember we're, we're in a desert here. He leads me beside quiet waters. These are small little puddles of water that will quench their thirst for the moment. And when it's, when it's finished, he says it's time to move on and we're going to go find the next small patch of grass. Now it's important that we don't miss this because, as one of my friends said to me this week, the Lord is my shepherd and we are at Disneyland is not the case. The Lord is my shepherd and everything we want, we, won't, we, will, every, we lack nothing, but we won't necessarily have everything easy or that we want. You see, in our culture, we want everything ready-made. We want it perfect the way we, we want it, the way we want it so that we can control it, so that we can have our green meadow with rolling hills, access to all kinds of food and water at any time, and maybe there's a shady tree and a comfy little patch we can sit down in when we get tired. This is not the picture of the shepherd and the sheep we are talking about here. We are talking about a shepherd in a desert place who is leading the sheep that he loves day by day to the next patch of grass, to the next thing to provide for their needs. He will always lead out of the place of the desire for the good of his sheep above himself. He will, in fact, lay down his life for the sheep. So as we continue in these last two, uh, three verses that we're going to be in today in John, in verse 19 of chapter 10, it says the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and, demon and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? We see here the split, the, the sifting out of those who would follow Jesus, the good shepherd, and those who do not just as he said would happen. The thing that's happening in the crowd that he's talking to is exactly the word picture he's using to describe them. He's speaking with his voice, and the sheep begin to divide. Remember, Jesus is not talking to these people to convince them to follow him. Actually, he often tries to tell people how hard it was, to, how hard it is to convince them not to follow him. He is speaking as the good shepherd who loves his sheep. And as he speaks and they hear his voice, the sheep separate those that are his and those that are not. So how will you respond today? What is your response? We see the voice, the gate, the good shepherd. Now this interesting thing about the voice of the shepherd as we read that story of the, of the shepherd who in the morning, in the midst of all the sheep, went a little bit away and began to call his sheep by name. And they heard him and they went after him. It's important to recognize that it was not quiet. It's not that if we got totally quiet, we would listen more to the shepherd. We don't necessarily need things quiet to listen to God. We just need to know what God's voice sounds like to listen to it. Let me say that again. We don't necessarily need things to be quiet to listen to God. We just need to know what God's voice sounds like in the midst of all the other voices so that we can listen to it. Yes, of course, we see both Jesus and and others in scripture practice the discipline of silence and solitude and getting away to be with the Father. I advocate for that strongly, but the reality of day-to-day life, the reality of sheep is that it's noisy and it's loud and it's messy most of the time. And so is your life. You have your job, you have your family, you have your school, you have... You have all of your relationships. Then you have media and you have your phone that's buzzing every few minutes. You have uh, the noise of traffic. You have the noise of the radio. There's noise. There's all the voices. There's all the influences in our life. And those on a day-to-day level, will not go away. We have uh, times in our life where we're able to actually get away and be silent and have solitude. But I think so many of us, and especially I think of someone who's, who's like a young mother, there's not a lot of silence and solitude. But we don't necessarily need quiet to listen to God's voice. The shepherd calls, and in the midst of the voices, in the midst of the noise, have we trained our ear to hear it. There are always going to be things competing for our attention. We have a full life, and it's not realistic for us always to be in silence and solitude. But the thing about the voice of the good shepherd is that it's different than other voices that we hear all around us. This this is the only son of God. This is the gate, remember, the one way. So this good shepherd is unlike any other voice that we hear in our life. This is always good, always true, always trustworthy. He calls us by name, the name that he gave us when we were small and he knows us. See, this calling by name thing that the shepherd does with his voice is against hiddenness, and it feels a little bit awkward because what do you mean he knows my name? What do you mean he, he knows me? There's a little bit of a funniness to it because ultimately I think Many of us believe that if someone truly knew us so intimately like that, if they knew all of the things about us, they would not love us. That is not the case with this shepherd. It says he knows and he loves his sheep. This good shepherd loves his sheep to the point of laying down his life willingly for their sake, these sheep that he knows by name. And I think sometimes we, we worry about if we hear the voice of God, if we hear this good shepherd calling us, that maybe he will call us into something he doesn't fully understand that he's asking of us. You know, Jesus, I know that you've said to me to go and leave my job and go over here. Or I know you've told me to move over here. Or I know you've asked me to give this thing up in my family or in my life or in my finances. But you know, Jesus, if you really understood the situation, maybe you wouldn't ask that of me. This voice sounds Crazy. But it says that he knows you. So if he knows you, he knows your situation. He knows everything about you from the moment you were born. So when the voice of the shepherd calls and invites you to follow him somewhere, we know that it is good. We know that it is trustworthy. We know that it is for our best interests. And we know that all the concerns and worries and fears about all that other stuff that it will mean and imply in our life, he knows it. And he calls us to follow him and to trust him. So in the midst of the noise and in the midst of the quiet, how are you making ways to exercise hearing his voice? Because it's probably going to sound different than most other voices around you. Then we have this gate. Now this gate idea, it seems a little bit pre- Restrictive, You know, maybe you prefer the type of pen with multiple doors where you can go in and out. Or or maybe you like the idea of a ladder where you can kind of hop over the wall because the gate's like way over there and it takes a long time to get there. So if I could just hop the fence, it would be a lot easier. This sort of freedom that you want is, I want my freedom where I want it, what I want, when I want. This is the freedom I want. And this is certainly the type of freedom that our culture talks about all the time. This freedom of... You do what you want to do, I'll do what i want to do, and it's all good. But Jesus says that way leads to death. Jesus says you will receive incredible freedom and privilege and fullness of life only through me. Jesus says I am the door, and in me you will find salvation, you will find fullness of life. Every other way into the sheep pen is death. Every other way. So what other ways have you tried to enter this sheepfold? Maybe, most obviously, it's another religion. I know there are many amongst us who have um, had grown up or had an experience in another type of faith system and had come to meet Jesus later in their life. Uh, these are people who can tell you why Jesus is the only way because they've tried a few other religions and It did not work. Maybe you're trying to enter or hop the fence with your money, gaining money. Maybe it's education and learning more because knowledge can be power. Or maybe you're trying to just be a good moral person. You know, I'm a good person. You know, I've never murdered anybody, so I think I'll go to heaven. I'm probably fine. Or maybe it's through hard work. Maybe it's through parenting. Maybe it's through serving here at the church. Maybe it's through another religion. How does it sit with you today that Jesus is the gate? And no sheep can go out and no wolf can come in because he is the gate. And then the good shepherd. You know, I think in our culture we, we probably would use other metaphors instead of the sheeping practice. We might talk about the coach or the good coach or we may talk about a security guard or a personal trainer or a teacher or a mentor or maybe a parenting figure. But this good shepherd picture as we're entering into it today and trying to understand first century Palestine is a, a fitting and beautiful picture of what God is like for us You know, he is speaking, Jesus is speaking to a people who had been, who, who had been in the past and were currently led by people who had been bad shepherds. See, it isn't normal to assume that the shepherd is good, that he is trustworthy, that this is a new type of shepherd, that Jesus, when he says he's the good shepherd, that actually that might be true because this is unlike any type of leadership that they had ever received before. We continually compare or fear God and what he will be like in our life because we compare him with our earthly paradigm. We only know the earthly leaders, the earthly shepherds that we've experienced. But Jesus is the good shepherd or the beautiful shepherd, the attractive shepherd. He's not like the bad parenting experience that you had growing up. He is not like your immoral boss. He is not like your overbearing teacher. He is not like uh, perhaps even a religious leader, maybe even in this church that you've experienced if they have hurt you. The good shepherd, Jesus, is good. And we, our natural go-to, our default leadership, the default we know is broken leadership. The default way to happiness is to climb over the fence. The default way we know is to assume that people can't really know us and love us for that. They can't know us by our name because if they knew us by name, they wouldn't love us anymore. So as I invite the, the band to come up, See, what is your shepherd like? Who is your shepherd today? Is it Jesus or is it something else? Are you trying to be your own shepherd? You were never intended to be that. You are a sheep and it is good to be a sheep. We are in the protection and care of a good shepherd who loves us to the point of laying down his life for us. And as we are in the Lent season looking forward to Easter, we remember this now. We remember... That Jesus, as we're, as we're going to enter into this season more and more over the next few weeks, as, as through the book of John we see Jesus going closer to his death, that he lays himself down willingly. The good shepherd is so good, he dies for you. So who is your shepherd today? What are the voices that you are listening to and being led by? Maybe it's Jesus and a few others. But, of course, Jesus and a few others leads to death. There is one way. There is one gate. It is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus comes in this text, and he's saying, I am trying to change your belief system. This whole series, this whole year at our church is about believing He's standing in front of a people who have been hurt by bad leaders, untrustworthy, selfish, broken leaders who have led them to dangerous or damaging places. And he says, I know this is hard for you because you are broken, but I say I am different than the past. I am the good shepherd that God had promised to you that you are waiting for. I am different type of leadership. You can trust me because I know you and I am good. So just as, uh, as Jesus uh, did in this text, he divided the sheep just with his voice. And it is my privilege to, to share with you this morning about this shepherd who I am completely enamored with. I am so attracted to this good shepherd. I want my life to be about this type of following because this shepherd is unlike any leadership I've ever experienced. I have a picture up in my office of uh, Jesus. It's an art drawing. There's Jesus and he's got a bunch of sheep around him and then he's got one sheep in his arms. Ask me. So as I have the privilege of teaching you today and leading you as one of your pastors here amongst the leadership team, I see myself as one of these sheep. I am following after the good shepherd. And I invite you to join me. I invite you to follow hard after this good shepherd who will lead you from green patch to green patch, to green patch. You will lack nothing, Scripture says, as we follow this good shepherd. Let's pray together. Oh, good shepherd, Jesus. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you know our names. Thank you that you have shown us a way to salvation and fullness of life. And thank you that you are good, that you are not like other leadership we've seen in the past, that you are good and trustworthy, and you are safe to lead us. And so, as we begin to divide ourselves as a congregation this morning against those who will choose to follow after you and those who may not today, would you help us to recognize your voice more? Show us this week ways that we are ignoring the voice amidst all the other voices. Show us this week how we are trying to create new doorways or climb over fences instead of using you as the way to our fullness and true life. And good shepherd, beautiful shepherd, would you lead us to green pastures This week, would you give us what we need this week? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.